I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first play? I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. A democratic convention is about to begin in a police state. There just doesn't seem to be any other way to say it. Good morning, campers. And on that high note, hey, welcome to a new episode. That's right. We're uh, we're here. The the Chicago three, the uh, the radical left are here. Um, Troy is bound and gagged, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> he was for the better. He was warned um, you know, for the record. Um. Yeah. How's it going, Troy? Excellent. And you? We're doing uh, fantastic. It's it's and with you also teasing us and also with, with you with some spring like summer like warmth here finally. So it's sad our listeners can't uh, can't see uh, Troy is really sporting a uh, Chicago Seven shirt. Uh, got gotcha. oh there it is. Oh yeah, that's pretty. Um, Matt and I are less. <laughs> we I guess think we're wearing what we just. Showed I'm, up in. I'm analog. I do have a beer lao shirt, a beer lao hat, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, what are we here to do? We're here to the trial of the Chicago Seven. Yes, a recent uh, 2020 release, and so if you've not seen it, um, just yeah, check it out on Netflix or wherever. And it uh, deals with the Democratic National Convention 1968, the um, demonstrations, uh, the police riot according to official reports about uh, the investigation of it and uh yeah, subsequent uh, nomination of hubert humphrey to be the nominee of the democratic party for president in 1968 so we and of course he would go on to win the presidency and um almost get us out of the war immediately c- close closey <laughs> a story that didn't happen okay lost a close one yeah yeah um, um so that's that's the plan and uh yeah it's this it's you know very recent movie and it's it's dealing with kind of some of the uh, politics protesting of the war so you know we're heading off into a little bit of different sort of topics than we've covered in other films and probably more than any than any movie we've covered this this is tries to be close to a historical event um, ish ish and we're gonna, we're going to talk about some of the ish uh, Matt's got a debunker just. Ready to drop some bombs on the Chicago Seven? Yes. Um, and yeah, this is uh, uh, it, it's an interesting. Um, do you in your in your uh, U.S. history course? Do you teach the this trial or probably more the Democratic Convention? Uh, I don't teach the trial. I, it's mentioned in passing. Uh, the convention I talk about a bit. Um, I think the convention and then the subsequent protests, violence. Um, I think all of that kind of is a good encapsulation of where the Democratic Party is in 1968, which is fracturing basically in half and is war at war with itself. And the, you know, the New Deal coalition that's existed, you know, for at that point, you know, 30 plus years is not no longer tenable. And it's you can see it happening on live TV where you have cops who are 
probably Democrats, cracking the skulls of protesters who are also Democrats, and that's the that's it. I mean, the, that's the writing on the wall for the, uh, you know. Yeah the the um, the opening of the of the movie has some great sort of historical actual footage of you know LBJ announcing that raising the draft call and and sort of the numbers increase and yeah that uh, was July twenty eighth nineteen sixty five was the date that he made that announcement they showed in the film so it's a bit of their a bit of their world building for context you know the uh, um, and you know if you've I'm sure faithful listeners would know that uh, as the war drags on, uh, the the draft is very unpopular, and it and it and it sucks people into from the middle class and upper middle class who had here theretofore avoided the war for the most part. Um, they are they are getting called up and with no end in sight, and it's uh, it's inc- I mean it's it, it's increasingly unpopular. I mean, I guess maybe 1970 might be its most unpopular moment, but. We're headed there in '68, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Very tense time in our sh- country's history. Assassination of <laughs> MLK and and Bobby Kennedy, uh, kind of dramatic, right? Uh, footage of Napalm, uh, name dropped. Um, I like to think they're hinting at our podcast, of course. Right, because we are noted to be uh, huge fans of Napalm on this podcast. Yeah, uh, we big, uh, big proponents of its usage and. Uh, Matt is, of course, joking. Uh, we, we, I feel like I need to go on record and say we do. Oh, <laughs> so it wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah, we do not, in fact, to support uh, the napalming. But, uh, yeah, though, the the um, w- another thing that dawned on me when I was watching this is, like, the, you know, American politics of late has been pretty divisive and crazy. Um, Dumb. And, and people, people have said, like, oh, like, politics has never been more divided. And I think, like, uh, you need to you need to like do some homework because not only do we have a civil war, but like the nineteen sixties were pretty crazy. Like the you know the people taken to the streets. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys? Do you could you see people pounding the pavement like this over any issue right now? Even even your COVID groomers, and your Trumps, and your like I don't know. It's tough. That's a tough question. I mean, doing it right without just. There were large, you know, up just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, during the Iraq Second Iraq War, there were, I think, globally that was one of the most largest protests ever. But this is Vietnam is very much more a sustained, yeah, presence. Like you know, the I was part of some of that stuff during Iraq, and it was like at first everybody's gung ho about the protests, and they peter out, and then it's just kind of like, well, you know, now we're just at war forever, I guess. Yeah, mission accomplished. So and. uh the the uh, maybe we should maybe we should uh, I don't know we crack I, our I, beers I, I feel like we need to crack crack into some we got a we got a tough road to hoe. refreshing Ooh, this is uh matt brought us from uh troy troy knows uh, revolution brewing got some revolution yeah. brewing uh you've had the you've had that troy Fre- freedom lemonade 
I don't have that. I've not had that one, but yeah. Is it a shandy? Good. I guess so. I saw it. I'm like, a Revolution, Chicago. That's good. Oh. We're covering Chicago. Uh, revolution, freedom. These are big buzzwords for the film. Lemonade, refreshing <laughs> since it's so hot in the studio right now. Perfect, right? <laughs> you nailed it, Matt. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. check out Revolution. Do they, do they sell this in Wyoming yet, Troy, Revolution? Uh, it's hit and miss, but mostly miss. So, yeah, I wish they did. Mostly miss, that's right. Um, well, should we, should we give about to Chicago? I mean, it's right there in the name. Um, maybe, maybe let's do a quick rundown of, of the characters and roll call, uh, roll call for the uh, Chicago seven. Um, I'll start off with our, with the, maybe the most colorful, um, uh, Abby Hoffman, uh, uh, who is the leading member of the yippies. He's, uh, involved the SNCC student nonviolent coordinating committee, um, he was a he was a kind of a performance artist, and uh, you, you know, as a, as a way sort of to uh, promote his his agenda, he was not well known for stunts. Um, one of them was they went into the stock ex- New York City Stock Exchange in '67 and threw like handfuls uh, from the gallery there that you see like when they're announcing an IPO or whatever. They they throw handfuls of dollars, uh, and and then some are booing them, and others are like. Those brokers are like scrambling to like swipe up the money, and it's. It, I think they used thirty dollars real money, and the rest was fake money. So they uh, nice. That was a good. That was a good little trick. But but you know, yeah. I mean, he says later in the movie, right? Like, well, I don't have the money to to put on a big thing, so I you know call up the press and then pull off a stunt, and then it's sort of like if sort of jackass meets sort of a with a political edge to it. Um, Abby Hoffman was. Uh, oh yeah, what did he staple something to his scrotum? <laughs> <laughs> Did you, didn't you remember that he uh, he gets hit by a bull and then uh, and then denounces the car- <laughs> carpet bombing of Cambodia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a classic stunt. <laughs> he was he was uh, where he drinks <laughs> he drinks horse pee and then uh, yeah uh, calls for the resignation of of Nixon. No, uh, he um, and and then another one was his. Uh, uh, maybe maybe one of my f- favorite ones that's, that's mentioned in the film is where is where he and Ruben um, they're they're they march on the Pentagon and then they are going to levitate the Pentagon with psychic energy. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about that when we talked Forrest Gump because that protest is shown in Forrest Gump. Um, so for more it, specific background, and Abby was portrayed in Forrest Gump too, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, briefly. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. He also yeah. famously was uh, ran on stage during the Who set at Woodstock, and Pete Townsend hit him in the head with his guitar and kicked him off the stage. <laughs> Classic. Uh, how about? How and about then, <laughs> and then he stapled something to his scrotum. Okay. So yeah, what so a was, what a prankster. Like, yeah. Uh, so you want to do Ruben, Matt? Jerry Ruben is one of the next one of the seven. Yeah, social activist, anti-war leader, uh, and another big icon of the '60s, um, and you know, part of this yippie guerrilla theater so-called stuff. Um, w- uh, during the DNC uh, in '68, the uh, the yippies nominated their own candidate for president, and the nominee was Pegasus the Immortal, which was Pegasus, just a pig uh, that they felt was kind of uh, an appropriate. Uh, alternative to, you know, Nixon or Humphrey uh, or Wallace, who was running as uh, independent in 1968. Uh, <laughs> and then, and um, introductions, P- uh, Pegasus has a press conference, and then uh, 
Ruben is holding the candidate, demands that he's given uh, Secret Service uh, uh, protection. <laughs> um, let me play this other clip from Ruben here. This is audio of um, Ruben uh, being interviewed by Dorothy Fuldheim. This is actually... Um, in 1970, so slightly after our time period, but I, I, it's, it's a good little glimpse into Taste of Ruben. Ruben's mindset and stuff, so take a listen to this. The most destructive and racist class in the history Why do you want a revolution? I want a revolution that can be free, so that we can free, free Bob and Seal. Free from racism, free from pigs, we gotta eliminate all the pigs. <laughs> but pigs, you're referring to human beings or animals? I'm referring to policemen. Well, I, and I've got a no, shock like for that. you. You don't like that. I'm very friendly with police. Oh, you are, are you? Well, I got a shock for you. I'm very <laughs> friendly with the Black Panther Party. Out. Stop the interview. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, <laughs> a quick little clip. She of... got a bad taste to the Reuben on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's Reuben. And you did some you did some Tom Hayden digging, Matt. You also want to? Yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, yeah, he was big at SDS, um, a civil rights worker, sought to expand social justice activism beyond just civil rights, and that was what SDS is, was formed to to do. Um, and through SDS, you know, Hayden is fighting kind of mainstream liberalism. So you know, the Democratic Party, Lyndon Johnson, um, Cold War ideology. Um, poor education for undergraduates at research universities, and then big into promoting participatory democracy, which is getting involved. You know, it's not just showing up and voting. It's participatory democracy is you know something that I think still is is, is a big need for for the country. Right, it's getting involved whether it's locally or nationally, and and all sorts of different ideas. Um, and he married uh, Jane Fonda. Heyo. Married for 17 years. Uh, and post all this stuff, 1982, he's elected uh, as state senator in California. Since he's there for about 10 years. Yeah, and then and then, and then another spell is a, a congressman and senator. Too. He, has, he has a long long career in California uh, uh, politics. State, state, state politics. State politics, yeah. yeah. Um, Rennie Davis uh, is, a, is one of those seven anti-war activists, you know, um, they they and they mentioned this film. There's um, there's a few of these that are kind of s- sacrificial lambs that they think are put on there because uh, they're not going to get they're going to get acquitted uh, to help the jury feel better about well let's acquit some of these and let's pro- let's prosecute the rest. So some of these are um, characters like Davis. Um, are, well, he uh, is he's he wait Davis Davis is Davis is convicted. Who am I thinking? Yeah, of? no, you're thinking of Freunds and Wiener, right? Freunds and yeah. Um, Wiener. <laughs> and, uh, Wiener. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Troy. Dellinger, right. um, is, a, is another interesting one. Uh, yeah, you, you did some, you did some hunting on Dellinger, didn't you, Matt? The MOBE. National Mobilization, mobilization. Committee. Yeah, mobilization to end the war in Vietnam, the MOBE. Uh, Dellinger, he's, he's named after the gun. Is that right, Troy? <laughs> Or spelled that way, sure, but yeah, it's, and actually, that's the gangster Dellinger. Oh, Dillinger is a gangster Dellinger. And we, we, it's in the movie. Check out the movie, folks. Oh, okay. Uh, they also called him Derringer. Derringer, right? Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that a Tommy gun? Is that a Derringer? What's a Derringer? Tommy? No. 
It's a little pocket gun. Okay. What, what kind of kind, what are we talking about here, Toya? <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah, whatever 36, you 37, whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever, whatever caliber you want, they make they make them pretty much. So it's just a little pocket break open pocket pistol, single single shot pocket pistol. Single shot. Little belly gun. Uh, Dellinger, graduate of Yale, longtime pacifist, which they stress in the film, uh, studied at Oxford, and he visited Nazi Germany during that time. He went to Spain during the Spanish Civil War. He actually drove an ambulance there during the Civil Spanish Civil War. Uh, he was against U.S. involvement in the Second World War. He was imprisoned as a conscientious objector. I saw he also, um, he, the jail was, was it the, yeah, the jail was segregated in the jail and like so their eating spaces and like stuff was segregated and he was part of a group that protested that line. in in the jail and got it desegregated so it uh, from the from the administration it was segregated yeah not, not yeah anymore. yeah not yeah not among the prisoners yeah um he's big in civil rights protest earlier in the 60s as the 60s move on he becomes active in vietnam war protests he actually visits both north and south vietnam hanoi and saigon uh in 1966 as he wants to kind of see the impact of bombing uh, on these uh, locations himself. Uh, and once again, very focused on nonviolence. Uh, one of the most famous, Bobby Seal, Black Panther, um, co-founder with uh, Huey P. Newton. Um, and he, you know, uh, sort of this is uh, most, most sort of no- Oakland uh Berkeley, uh, they were they were most active on the on the West Coast. I, th- this is why um, the Black Panthers are one of the main reasons why California has such restrictive gun laws. Little little known fact that the uh, uh, Black Black Panthers start um, carrying guns openly, open carry, and um, yeah, the good old lefty Ronald Reagan decides to clamp down on um, on. Uh, Sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> and we'll, we'll we'll get later in the movie. Um, kind of dra- a dramatic, uh, kind of uh, I don't know how would you describe the the kind of uh, you know almost like a, I can't breathe. Um, right in front of the country with he's, he's bound and gagged in in court, um, which will get him which will get him acquitted. And then um, for three day, for three days, I guess it was three days. He was yeah, right. The gag in, in the in the movie, it's like ten minutes. Uh, but yeah, in, yeah, not even in real yeah in real life, it's a uh, three. And and I think it was a, a again another dramatic moment of of for those in the middle, like hey, well these are um, we can't we yeah. can't conscience this. Uh, and I guess it's Freund's and Wiener who are. Did you have those, Troy? Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So Lee Weiner was the only one from Chicago from the group, community activist, social worker, shunned most of the defendants' activities, rarely attended defense strategy sessions. Instead, he read science fiction. Both Ruben and Weiner attended Hebrew University in Jerusalem, taught sociology at Rutgers until uh, he made a comment at a Black Panther birthday party. For Barbie Seal in 1972. Sorry, really, Black uh, Panther Party. Pretty much, he said, starting a new communist party in New Jersey. That was uh, his his uh, comment. See similarities in the 2020 protests. So he was, I think he just passed away, like just like last year, I believe, 2021. And Weiner Freund's had uh, there were some like uh, Freund's had chemistry background, and they were yeah yeah they were charged with the kind of teaching how to. Yeah, construct incendiary devices, and it, which in the movie is 
did Hoffman? Who do they? Ruben? They yeah. They, this is right at the beginning. They show after we're kind of briefly introduced to the characters. They um, they show the FBI typing intel about these various new left groups, and then they kind of have a quick flash to Ruben teaching how to make Molotov cocktails, which was not Ruben in real life. That was was that Freund's? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, so Freund was part of the SDS. He had a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from UC Berkeley, a PhD in Chemistry from Yale. And after the trial, he went to uh, Connecticut to this Black Panther Party Defense Committee with Bobby Seale, murder acquittal, later served as a director of OSHA under President Carter. I didn't know that. Um, so. And, uh, yeah, and so and so the, the, the movie is, as I, as I, when I first watched it, I was like, you know, they, they kind of, there's some background stuff and then we jump right to a trial and I'm like, they're not going to show the, the Chicago, um, democratic convention riots or the, you know, the, like, and then, then, then it dawned on me, oh, this is probably going to be in the form of flashbacks. Flashback. Yeah. The movie does kind of flashback, flash back to present, flashback, flashback to present often. Um, we kind of start, uh, at the department of justice five months after the uh, convention, Richard Schultz is meeting with John Mitchell, your friend and mine, uh, attorney general for Richard Nixon, and tells Mitchell they did not see any need for uh, any federal indictments. Mitchell wants to do it. Uh, Conspiracy to cross state lines and commit violence, uh, deem a national security threat. Um, Schultz argues that uh, the law was passed by Southern whites to stop black activists, uh, civil rights activists, and Schultz says it will be seen as limiting uh, free speech, and there'll be rioters. Um, so he, in the movie, is presented as being not on board with the, the program, I think, in real life. I think that is quite exaggerated. Um, from and he was more happy to prosecute? Yeah. He was more of a bulldog from what I read, yeah, than, than he plays in the movie as more passive, but I think he was a lot more aggressive in real life. <laughs> Yeah, let me do a quick shout out to um, Slate uh, dot com had a had an interesting article by Matthew Desim, um with some of the uh, historical context. So some of the, what I reference here is coming from this, and some from my own stuff I've other found otherwhere. But uh, just wanted to shout out uh, Slate and Mister uh, Desim there. Uh, this uh, this the the movie it's it's very I was thinking like oh this sounds familiar and I and it's Aaron Sorkin is uh, sort of Ugh. writes the uh writes the so it's got this um this quippy style this kind of fast paced um and which matt loves he's motioning just like <laughs> just lapping it up <laughs> i i have to say like one of my true what what what's the opposite of passion like hatred it's not Loathe. it's not hatred it's, it's like yeah it's is just how sorkin writes dialogue is to me one of the most annoying things in in TV in cinema, um, and some people like friggin' think he's a genius at it. Everything's I, like a TED talk. With yeah, him, like, I like I can't stand it. Like all the, the West Wing, especially. Like to me, he ruins what could be like such a super interesting show with all these stupid walk and talks about just like you know, <laughs> it's just total like haphazard random just bullshit. Then it's just it's just so dumb. And and anyways. And, and this al- isn't as bad as that to me. To, to, and I've also heard he's here. kind of like a David Mamet, like where, like, you know, you don't change one word. Like, you know, it's written exact with the ums and ahs and the pauses. Like, there's no, no, I don't need you to fucking interpret it as an actor. You you say it exactly how I wrote it. Like, it's a, 
uh, it's like us with the podcast. Yeah, this is all exactly. this is all word for word, folks. Uh, and it sounds like we're loosey goosey. Yeah, Troy uh, writes this all out, and we, we're giving scripts. <laughs> he, he types it all out, faxes it over, and um, and we, then we read her on the fly. All right, so right. we we are introduced at massive protests. Uh, and counter protests outside the U.S. District Court in Chicago as we are greeted with Abby Hoffman and uh, Ruben. They're brought in. Somebody tries to egg Ruben, and he, like, catches the egg, right, is it in the air? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the quick introduction, we get uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, who is, uh, I guess, undercover uh, as, as Abby Hoffman, uh, as he likes to do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh, It's his new, new newest Borat role. Um yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I should say, we should say that uh, Hoffman and Ruben, especially the great hair, great clothes, like they're 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 like a poster child of the '60s. Like this is yeah, and a lot of that caricature. is like if you look at photos or or footage from you know interviews during the trial, the clothes is like it's like some of it's like exactly the same. Like it, they did a nice job with that. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of lots of headbands. Lots of uh, fro, lots of yeah. Uh, um, yeah. What else we got? To, we got you got you got some beads. You've got some. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna go shopping for this. Uh, is there is there an Etsy an Abby Hoffman Etsy store? I think. Yeah, they. I think they stole raided your closet. But <laughs> um, Bobby Seal's attorney is in the hospital with a kind of a last second gallbladder surgery and won't be able to attend. And so they have requested his he be his trial be delayed and the judge is not having it and that and that will remain a main kind of leitmotif of the of the of the movie is that um bobby seal is wants to defend himself or or wants his own lawyer and they keep throwing him in with the uh the lawyer for the other six and he um it's not well, I guess he's one of the seven. Or he's, he's he's eight. He's eight, right? He's, but he's um, uh, it's not that it's not that his attorney the 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 other attorney is bad at all. He's seems to be pretty good. But like I kept I kept thinking like, uh, why doesn't he just have him defend? Yeah, his attorney is he works for the Black Panther Party, I think, in in real life, and had already been like a representative before, and he wanted to stay with that, and so. You know, theoretically, right? Okay, this is yeah. This is something that uh, defendants are entitled to. In, in real life, this does, this does happen, right? The judge refuses to delay, refuses to, essentially refuses to let him have a lawyer uh, during the trial. And a lot of the stuff with the judge is, is accurate, historically accurate. Yeah, he's Julius wackadoodle for sure. Yeah, he, he comes off as kind of, uh, kind of dementia-ish. As well, kind of old and uh, a bit at like he can't remember um, some pretty basic information that he should know, and also uh, seems to not be as interested in kind of justice and equity as he is in. He's he's pro uh, prosecution, like yeah, and and always, um, yeah. So yeah, I think to the extent that he helps, he helps the defense, like you know. Uh, <laughs> He he's gonna he's gonna help get this um, get this uh, thrown out or at least or at least not prosecuted again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so this trial, yeah, yeah. The the Bobby Seal is a, is a big um, is a big sort of 
uh, sideshow to the to the to the trial going on, and and the in the, in the, we should say in the in the crowd of the in the in the, in the gallery, the courtroom. There's uh, Black Panthers um, who have great coats, great great turtlenecks, uh, great ba- <laughs> great berets. Uh, yeah, Fred Hampton is there. Um, yeah, who was uh, head of the Chicago chapter, and the lawyer um, who is representing the seven, not Bobby Seal, recommends that the the Panthers don't sit together, take your hats off, uh, you know, your sunglasses and everything. Essentially, like you, you're going to intimidate the jury. So, like, kind of kind of spread out and don't all sit like together in one large group. And they do listen to him. And I heard in a um, in an interview with Bobby Seal, he was saying that. He would actually, uh, from his from his attorney, at uh, in, in the movie it shows like oh he's getting um, he's getting Fred Hampton is sitting behind him giving all this legal advice maybe and right you know, which and, is not accurate and, and, right and the judge is criticizing you know who who is this person does he have a law degree but um, Bobby Seale is saying that he had he would have phone conversations lengthy ones with um, his attorney who was uh, who was out and unable to come and then and then giving him sort of arguments and assistance and uh, uh, things to use in trial when mm-hmm. um, when he shows up. So he has he has actual some legal representation that the movie um, I, I guess that would be that would be a tough one to do and because Fred Hampton sort of dramatically um, enters and exits the scene um, makes it a more compelling plot line. I, I guess I don't I don't fault them for doing that. The no. judge is named, uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Hoffman. Julius Hoffman. Julius Hoffman. And yeah. then he uh, <laughs> interrupts uh, Schultz's, <laughs> the prosecutor's kind of opening statements to, to you know, I uh, just, just wanted to clarify, uh, I'm not related to, I have no relation to Abby Hoffman over there. And uh, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen has the daddy no uh, line. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know if that happened? I, I could see Abby doing that. I don't know if that specific thing happened, but I mean, there were tons of weird antics like Hoffman. That actually happened. Yeah, yeah like sure. standing on his head on top of, like, you know, putting his uh, on the desk, um, <laughs> bringing in like a North Vietnamese flag. Um, Wearing the judge's uh, habit. Or, yeah, uh, the robe. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Tons of stuff. What was that, Troy? Yeah, I would say the robe, bit, but we we get into that. So yeah, the robes were real, real deal. Wearing the robes in the court. Um, we start to get introduced. They kind of break. They have a group meeting in you know some offshoot room outside of the courtroom, and it's every not not seal, but everybody else is there. And here we get, we're starting to play up the Tom Hayden. He doesn't want it to turn into a circus. It's uh, not a political trial. He, yeah, a, yeah. He's like presented as kind of like the more like level-headed. You know, he got a haircut for the trial. He wears normal clothes. Uh, you know, like, and then everybody else is kind of more uh, against that. I, you know, mindset that Hayden is presenting. So I think how he is presented as much more like straight uh, than the rest. I think does not. That's not completely accurate. I mean, I think Hayden was, you know, he wasn't like doing crazy antics like Hoffman or whatever, but he was certainly an instigator, a professional uh, activist. Yeah, and he would, you know, he dressed like a beatnik and like, you know, he like wore at the convention. He was wearing like, you know, fake goatee and uh, 
you know, like <laughs> weird wraps around his head and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe to like for the for the Netflix audience to try to like, you know, differentiate some of the characters. Maybe that was the right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's Tom Hayden, he's the Hillary voter, and and the rest of them are Bernie guys. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess they're really Bernie broish. Bernie Bros. Um, here we get a little bit of backstory on Seal for being in jail for uh, supposedly killing a police officer in Connecticut. Uh, that later gets turns out to, right. of course, not be true. But um, day uh, we're in day three of testimony. The Yippies uh, they talk about the f- permits that they're getting. They're filing for the uh, Festival of Life in Grant Park during the DNC. Uh, we're gonna have uh, rock music and public fornication is what they <laughs> t- tell the uh, s- the city guy what they're asking for the permit. This is Hoffman and Rubin, and unsurprisingly, they're denied the permit. Um, Hoffman says they're going to come anyway or give me $100,000 and they'll call it off. And they replay this in the film and they almost, you know, pretty close to word for word. But here's the real Abby Hoffman talking at a press conference about that uh, $100,000. So take a listen to the real Abby Hoffman. A what? A $100,000 ransom. I don't understand the ransom. You mean to to take to rip up rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. Hey, it, it's a it's a groovy thing to do. <laughs> what are you kidding? What are they gonna do with it anyway? Would you have done it? What? Would you have taken a hundred thousand dollars to call everything off? I would have taken a hundred thousand dollars as to calling it off. <laughs> <laughs> Smiles. Well, how much is it worth to you to call it off? Call off a what? Million? Would you have done it for a million? Revolution? Yeah. What's your price? My life. So they, uh, yeah, that that scene's in the film. Um, um, Do we know if that was used in court, that they tried to accuse him of trying to take a payoff? I think it's mentioned in the film. Yeah, I'm it's mentioned in the film. It's mentioned in, yeah. That's not true. sure about in court. Um I don't know if your notes you have like they they the this is like a with almost all of the seven or at least some of them there they have the the scene where repeated scene of them going in to get a permit to protest right. and it's kind of the same like uh, everybody's denied the permit um, all of them uh, Hayden says people are going to come anyway uh, and essentially it's reckless to not for the city to not have a plan for all these people that are showing up um, right. Yeah. So, so you need you need you need first aid, you need like ten thousand people. I mean they're thinking is what they were planning on. So yeah, that's gotta do something with that. Although Grant Grant Park, ten thousand doesn't seem like a lot. I guess if there are protesters. I'm just trying to think of the Stevie Wonder concert I went to. Uh there were, there were there more, ten thousand people there, there, at this. There were more than ten thousand people there. They had a permit though. So where? Grant Park. Oh, at Grant Park. Everybody loves Stevie Wonder. Oh, I saw Radiohead in Grant Park, and there were like 50,000 people. So, And Lollapalooza's there, right? So yeah. don't they have like 100,000? Yeah, so that's why I was thinking, like, well, it's not that much, but... This is all bullshit, man. Sorry. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are at the uh, house in Hyde Park. Uh, this is kind of like the de- defendant's, like, flop house or something that they all just <laughs> yeah. sort of hang out and live in i don't even know exactly 
Um, they're all there. The lawyer wants no more press conferences uh, because, especially Hoffman. But you know, th- you know, he's, they're talking to the press a lot. Yeah, they're uh, out on. Ba- they're out. Yeah, they're giving press conferences. Um, at the tr- doing like open Abby Hoffman's doing like open mic night. I mean, yeah, he's like touring college campuses, <laughs> right? Which was real. Uh, he did do that in real life, and he did it to raise money for the defense. And uh, he released an album um, of like some of those, you know, excerpts from some of the talks from the different. I forget the name of the album, but uh, you can Google that, folks, and Google what an album is if you're a young person. I I, uh, I guess I guess it maybe is sort of this. You had to be there. Um, I watched a few Abby Hoffman routines, and they're it's okay. It's not. It, it, it didn't. I didn't. I didn't find myself holding my gut. If I, as as a comedy routine, you yeah, know, like as a, I don't know, something for everyone. Okay, how many dong are you giving the Abby Hoffman? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna critique separately. Uh, would uh, Would Will Will Smith would have. Would he have slapped him? I don't know. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of hair. Happy, <laughs> so he may have been angry, angry at uh, at Abby. So um, we have a mysterious meeting with the judge. Uh, he adjourns to meet with counsel. It turns out jurors number six and number eleven, which are two that supposedly are on the leaning toward the side of the defendants, have received threats. Supposedly, have received threats from the Panthers. Uh, maybe. And the judge is trying to get them off the jury, uh, which works. You know, he calls in the one of the jury jury members and says, uh, "You've got the uh, your family's been threatened by the uh, Black Panthers. Pretty bad, right? Probably don't want to uh, be on the trial then. No. Who's who's this voice doing this? <laughs> this is the judge. The judge. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, like the judge it. sounds like. Whoa. The the uh, Sean Connery, the judge. Oh, Sean Connery, yeah, that was the that was the judge I was thinking of. Tell me, money, penny, do you want to be on the jury? The, uh, uh, the these seem to be jurors who were leaning towards um, acquittal, leaning towards acquittal, right? Um, and uh, and I, I don't like one of the one of the lines in there. They're like, "Hey, look, you know, they to get a letter like signed by the Black Panthers, like you know." Uh, we know where you live, like, um, and he's like, you know, the all, the mob also doesn't send, like, letters to, you know, like, more. Right, than, that's more the than case that the lawyer is attempting to make, and, uh, yeah, so, some some shenanigans um, in the court. Um, here here we have the, the robe scene. Uh, Troy, you want to you wanna do the play-by-play on the robe scene? Well, um, I don't have it. I don't know exactly what's in front of me, so uh, there you go. Uh, I'm not... Uh, not really helping out here. Well, they take up, but they take uh, off their robes. So they, yeah, so they take they, off the robes and they have police uniforms on, which actually that wasn't true, but the robes were true. But they were doing it in homage of the judge, is what they told him. Right. And they told him well, to the, take the, the police robes uniforms off. weren't weren't so the police uniforms weren't weren't actually. Ruben okay. and Ruben's autobiography, he says Hoffman did have a police uniform on underneath. Okay. Oh, but did. Um, okay. of course, that's you know. A, his accounting so take it for what it's worth so let's say maybe abby hoffman did um yeah we'll call it half true and yeah so it's it's a funny scene uh in the film uh they're of course uh contempt of court for that uh now a flash to protesting there are a lot of contempt of court in this uh there's music on a stage and just the fact that there was a stage i was a little suspicious of because there was music at the 
protest, the MC5 played um, played at the at uh, Grant Park, but they weren't on a stage. They were just, you know, they like just hooked up their gear to like some extension cords and stuff, and they were just like kind of playing like on the ground, basically. You mean they didn't have that super fancy stage? There was down? no super fancy stage. Um, so I'm not, at least for the MC5. And there is some, like, kind of, um, there's no audio to the footage, but there's, like, you know, somebody did Super 8 footage or something of MC5 playing. Um, Are you a big MC5 fan, Matt? I like the MC5, and I did uh, a big, uh, yeah, it was actually um, a big, long article on John Sinclair, who was their manager, who is the guy when Abby Hoffman <laughs> ran on stage at during the <laughs> at Woodstock <laughs> and interrupted the Who's concert. Uh, he was doing it to bring attention to the fact that John Sinclair, their manager, had been busted for two joints and sentenced to 10 years in prison for it. Uh, and John Lennon famously um, played in Ann Arbor at a protest uh, supporting John Sinclair, wrote the song John Sinclair. It's on the album sometime in New York City. Um, and so, yeah, he was the manager of the band. Started the White Panther Party them they like lived in a like a communal house uh the mc5 and sinclair and the white panther party was you know the sort of like you know like we like live as a community you know you have 10 bucks you put it in the fish bowl you know whatever you need you need a dollar you know it goes out like everything was right. like kind of supposed to be communal living how long did that last it didn't last that long yeah. you know? uh, but <laughs> uh yeah MC5 though they they rock um you know kick out the jams is like you know super famous like a you know like a proto punk song like it's like maybe like one of the kick early... out the jams motherfucker yeah it's like right. like one of the earliest punk songs you know ever and uh, unless you count like really any of Dylan's kick stuff but out the jams yeah not um, that oh that's that's sorry. pump up the jam okay <laughs> different song anyways yeah sorry sorry little uh. That's a good thing. aside. White Panther. I'm yeah. thinking about the White Panther Party. Yeah, White Panther Party. Yeah. Uh, if you want more interest, uh, well, maybe let's see if I can post that uh, thing I wrote up on uh, on the Twitter page. I think I think Troy and I have jackets for the uh, the Panther White Panther. We're pal- that's our mascot, you know, high school pal Panthers. Um, so we have a close mostly affinity. white. <laughs> mostly, yeah. Well, definitely mostly <laughs> white. Tom Hayden's arrested uh, because he's litting the air out of a cop car that is tailing Davis, uh, and he gets caught doing that. Um, did, did did that happen in your debunk? Yes, I think I think that one is real. Um, and I mean, because Hayden was sort of nonviolent stuff, and so that been part of the portfolio of of nonviolent. Well, that's how he's presented in the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, letting the air out of a car just by holding that like, little needle down, though. I mean, that takes a long time. You got to unscrew the valve stem. Try those. Yeah, yeah, get that valve stem remover. Yeah, I've, and then it's like, like it goes out instantly. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And everybody hears it, and they're like, "What's going on?" Little, like, little, hey, quick, little flee. quick tip for you, Matt. Well, I didn't. He wasn't doing that in the film. Okay. In the film, he was just kind of mm-hmm. kneeling down there for like five minutes. And, uh, yeah, he could do it in two more seconds. Prepared. Next time. Idiot. Next time you do that, come on. Um, well, let's see. Another motion for removal from uh, Bobby Seal. Um, another contempt of court. This is just that's kind of like on repeat throughout the film. Um, One hundred and seventy-five contempt of courts for him. That, yeah, in that trial, total trial. But oh man. Oh, all together. Yeah, no, there were a lot. Yeah, including yeah. including a defense lawyer. Yeah, lots of. 
Um, we have cuts to Abby telling stand-up, and this is going to kind of come back and forth uh, to filling in some plot points and plot holes via him doing this sort of stand-up routine is the kind of how it's used in the film throughout the rest of the film, really. Uh, and then we have some undercover cops infiltrating the groups, and we get to go to a bar. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. And now it's time for Napalm Theater. Okay, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Attempt number three. (laughs) Interior of a bar. I will be playing the part of bartender. Uh, Matt will be playing Jerry. Yeah, man. Troy will be playing undercover fan death. Jerry's having a drink at the end of a crowded bar. The bartender puts another drink in front of him. This is from the woman in the glasses. Jerry sees the woman wearing glasses. Daphne at the end of the bar. Really? Jerry takes his drink and heads over to the woman. Uh, Did you mean this for me? I did. (laughs) Nobody's ever sent me a drink before. How do you like it so far? It's a Tom Collins. I know it's kind of a country club drink, but they're delicious. A man in England named Tom Collins claimed in 1894 to have invented it, but then another man whose name I've forgotten said, no, he invented it two years earlier, and I think there was a lawsuit. That's a surprising amount of controversy for gin and lemonade. I'm Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Do you know why French only eat one egg for breakfast? No. Because in France, one egg is un oof. It's un oof. Wow. I know. I feel so much better about my Tom Collins story. I'm Daphne O'Connor. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> another flawless episode of Napalm Theater, ladies and gentlemen. Flawed. <laughs> so, uh... I was sad to learn, I think you told me this, that uh, that Daphne does not exist. Does not exist. Um, there was actual infiltration of some of these groups by local police, by federal officers, FBI, um, and one man did uh, infiltrate with Ruben, and I think he was like posing as his bodyguard or something like that. Um but Daphne, no, did not exist. And in fact, under the Troy's friend, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, there were no women allowed to be um, FBI agents. So it couldn't have even been a woman. Uh, yeah, that should yeah. have been your, your first tip off uh, why this was maybe fake because they did not have uh, women undercover agents. So, yeah. Uh, they, 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 uh, but they did have lots of undercover uh Spoiler alert: The FBI, the CAA was heavily was heavily monitoring. Oh yeah, all these groups, all these groups. Yeah, local local law enforcement. It was. Uh, yeah, check out COINTELPRO for some of that. Um, I may have mentioned it before on the podcast, but John Lennon's like the dossier on him is just massive, and there's a book called FBI versus John Lennon. I think that's what it's called. Um, check that out. It's got a bunch of stuff, including Feds being at that concert where he sang the song about John Sinclair for the fundraiser for John Sinclair. Um, so yeah, that, uh, they were, Nixon was trying to deport him, uh, get him deported. Um, he was living in New York. So 
you know, he's one of many. You know, the dossiers on all these people would have been massively thick. You know, Ruben Hoffman, all these guys. So, I wonder if Elvis informed on any of the Marvel stars. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she is there as uh, Ruben leads a group to quote confront the pigs end quote regarding Tom Hayden and him being arrested and. Uh, there's a massive police force in the street kind of waiting for them uh, as they're heading toward the police station. And they then head to the park where there are three police divisions uh, waiting for them there on the hill. And that's what the hill where, where the statue is. What's that statue of? I forget. Um, the, dude, it, the dude on the horse. Um, is it Grant? Is it General Grant? Is, oh. is that it? I forget. It might be on a horse. Yeah, I think um, it is. Maybe it's just dude on horse. Maybe that's just the yeah. statue. But um, Abby Hoffman, uh, quote, you know when shit happens? Uh, when they don't give protesters a place to go, end quote. And then in the film, someone yells, take the hill, and then they run and get all smashed up and skulls broken. Um, Ruben breaks up an attempted rape of a woman who'd been, her. Uh, been carrying an American flag who, I guess, in the film, there's, like, some frat boys that... Yeah, like, make me a sandwich. You know, they're, like, yelling yeah. at her, like... Put, put the flag down. down. Yeah. So, okay, there's several historical I- accuracy issues with this whole scene. Um, and I guess the way, what I read from with the police, they didn't... When they took the... They were actually all climbing on the statue before the police allegedly did anything but that's what again everybody's probably got a, their version of yeah it, well they, there were no police there when they went and okay quote unquote so they, they, the they didn't really go, okay so they didn't go there yeah, i think video video back climbing up, up on the statue they're already on the statue yeah, yeah. and okay. then the police come once they're already up there uh okay. second there is no evidence of reuben breaking up uh a rape um there also he is arrested but not there like he is in the film um there was an issue an argument of with i guess some quote-unquote frat bro i think i said broys before so i'll stick with broys um uh but it was not a it was about a vietnamese flag and not an american flag yeah because i was thinking like she's carrying american flag you're allowed to do that like uh yeah but they would have you know like a lot of the like abby hoffman's one of his famous outfits is the you know, the American flag, which is against flag code. So anybody that is uh, wearing, you know. Anyone who puts like a, say, uh, a picture of a losing president on the flag and like that's, that's actually not, as a as an Eagle Scout, I can authoritatively tell you, gentlemen, that you're not supposed to use your flag in this way. I'm a below and I can vouch. <laughs> yeah. Troy, what's I your rank? Brownie. I, I was a brownie. 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 Well, Troy's an early integrator of the. Uh, yeah, don't tell Ron DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't Borat wear a flag shirt at the rodeo? So I'm thinking there's coincidence here. I don't he know. Did, he just brought uh, it back from his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I already got the shirt, guys. <laughs> um, Hoffman and Ruben meet Schultz. So once again, he's the the head prosecutor. Is he the head? He, whatever. There, he's one of the main uh, DOJ prosecutors yeah, working the case. Prosecutor. He is. Um, what's his What's his name? Jace Gordon Levy Levitt, what? What's the actor's yeah, name? Yeah, Gordon, Gordon Levitt, right? Third Rock from the Sun. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Third Rock. He's Third Rock from the Sun guy. Um, he he is there, and they meet. They're by the Field Museum, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and Abby Hoffman's very nice to him. Ruben complains about the undercover cop who has enchanted him. 
in 93 hours and or he's like in sourced in in, in sourced i like that that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i like that in sourced uh yeah, yeah she's sorcered him <laughs> um so once again that's not real he was married actually at the time and once again there was no undercover cop woman and and it didn't it didn't ring very true like he's he's a savvy like war protester like and then after one meeting like he's like all right like uh, like you can tell me to make what decisions to make as we're like you know tactically moving down the street. I was like, what? That wouldn't happen. <laughs> I guess maybe, but they they also weren't sleeping together either. Well, they, in the movie, they weren't sleeping together. Right. It's yeah. like Russell Wilson oh. and Ciara. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pause time. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice, nice slam dunk. <laughs> Suck it, Spencer. <laughs> uh, Matt's got a little special, uh, second special offering for us. What do you got? This is also from Revolution, Chicago's own. This one is called, and this is this is my ode to Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. What's this beer called? This is a little crazy. A little crazy. So this is for them. This is uh, a a pale ale. So this is exceptionally aromatic, uh, citra hopped wonder. So I'm looking forward to trying this sucker out. It's got a heavily bearded gentleman on yeah, the front. It looks like my dad, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it looks very. It looks very Abby Hoffman, with a gray beard. So we've seen some chaos going on outside. Let me, let me just. Uh, Should have played this earlier, but let's take a listen to uh, Richard Daly, um, mayor of Chicago. Emphatically and very definitely. That an order be issued immediately under his signature. This is pre-convention. To shoot to kill any arsonist or anyone with a Molotov cocktail in their hand in Chicago to fire a building because they're potential murderers and to issue a police order to shoot to maim or cripple anyone looting any stores in our city. All right, so that's... Daily setting up the scene for, I guess, kind of what's coming. That's actually post uh, MLK assassination. So when that initially was announced, but that will hold for the DNC also. Um, let's take a little listen to what's going on on the convention floor, shall we? So while it's crazy outside the convention, let's take a look. Let's, what's going on inside? with our naked eye here that the Georgia delegation is walking toward the exit of the hall on the way out, uh, somewhat happy, and it looks like a couple, of, uh, a couple of the sergeants at arms, security people, have uh, one of the members uh, under both armpits and forcing him out. Dan Rather? What's your name, sir? And what is your name, sir? Take your hands off of me. Unless you intend to arrest me, don't t- don't push me, please. Sir, I'm I know you won't, but don't push me. Take your hands off of me unless you intend to arrest me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, as you can see. I don't know what's going on, but this these are security people apparently around Dan. Obviously getting roughed up. We tried to talk to the man, and we got uh, bodily pushed out of the way. This is the kind of thing that's been going on outside the hall. This is the first time we've had it happen inside the hall. We, uh, I'm sorry to be out of breath, but somebody felt him in his stomach doing that. What happened is a Georgia delegate, at least he had a Georgia delegate signed on, was uh, being hauled out of the hall. We tried to uh, 
talk to him to see why, who he was, and what the situation was. And at that instant, the security people, uh, well, as you can see, put me on the deck. <laughs> I didn't do very well. I think we've got a bunch of thugs here, Dan. Mm. If I may be permitted to say so. Well, my- <laughs> That's uh, Cronkite. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, this is... Um, uh, this is uh, Senator Ribikoff from Connecticut. With George McGovern as president of the United States, we wouldn't have to have Gestapo's tactics in the streets of Chicago. With George McGovern, we wouldn't have a National Guard. So Daly uh, got up and yelled something not nice at him, you know, F you Jew something or other, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) It's wild. Uh, I mean, yeah, the politics was like, again, it's pretty divisive now, but it was pretty insane then. That's in the same party. They're they're all Dems. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I... Here's a clip I wanted to play to give a sense of like the the things are tensions are heightened um, after well certainly after MLK and the lots of lots of public uh, looting and arson was going on. This is a this is a clip uh, from Bobby Seale um, uh, in Chicago um, talking before the convention. So yeah, all, on all sides, there's like it's mm-hmm. the tensions are super high. Well, that's a good lead into our next scene because um, Fred Hampton has been killed in the in the film and leader uh, of the Black Panther, Chicago. Right. Um, the yeah. lawyer and Hayden go to tell Bobby Seale. He says he knows already and uh, says it was an execution. Historically, certainly seems like that. I think I talked about that maybe all during Gump. Um, but yeah, he was in bed. Um, there are photos of the, the scene and yeah, it's yeah, not pretty, um, pretty gruesome. <laughs> in court seal has an outburst, uh, and the judge says, quote, uh, deal with him as he should be dealt with end quote. And he is rough, taken back, you know, into some other room beaten up and he is bound and gagged. Yeah. So this song uh, references that uh, and all this stuff, really. Um, this is uh, Graham Nash, uh, Chicago, We Can Change the World. And 
the first line in the song is, so your brother's bound and gagged. It's talking about Bobby Seale, right? So he's, the refrain, won't you please come to Chicago? He's speaking to his erstwhile bandmates, Crosby, Stills, and Young, uh, to come to Chicago to play a concert to raise money uh, in support of the defense, which they did not do. But that's what the song is about. And, you know, it's one of Graham Nash's famous most famous uh, solo songs and uh, yeah it's all about it's kind of it's kind of crazy that in, that in real life um, you know like you could you could see as crazy as that as a judge doing that um, but you would think like immediately and the film sort of says oh like immediately everyone's like oh we can't do this and like let's but like th- three days he's in real life yeah it was three days he had to sit there in court with, you know, a gag in his mouth and strapped to the chair and tied to the chair, yeah. wrapped around his face. Like, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I don't know. In the film, this goes much quicker than three days. In the film, <laughs> uh, the, the prosecutor Schultz, who is maybe, uh, defense curious, defense side, Abby Hoffman curious, uh, he goes up to the judge and says, um, you know, that essentially, like, uh, th- there should be a mistrial for Bobby Seale, um, and the judge grants it. And so in the film, this is dealt with in just a couple minutes. Also should point out, Fred Hampton, the t- chronology is totally wrong. Fred Hampton is killed in December. He's bound and gagged in, I think it was October. So okay. in the film, it's kind of like a, a all lighting the match yeah. that yeah. sets off Bobby Seale in, in the courtroom in real life that happens after that had already happened. So, yeah, there there were plenty of triggers for Seal that could have. Yeah, he didn't. That was a maybe a, a straw. Yeah, there were many before that as well. They pass. Uh, <laughs> sorry, go, Joey. I was going to say that the, the the sad part about Judge Hoffman is he ended up even after all of this serving um, as senior judge of the United States District Court for the. Northern District of Illinois, Illinois till 1983, pretty much till he passed away. I mean, it's and it's funny how they just kind of gave him a little slap on the hand. They didn't really do much considering what he did, I guess. I don't know. 87 years old, still serving at 83. He, pa- and he passed away July 1st of 83. So he was, he anyway. was 87 when he passed. So, yeah. So he was. He was. Yeah. And he was. Yeah. He served up until his death, it looks like. So, yeah. So it kind of crazy considering he seemed he didn't seem. It seemed quite right. In the film, they, they present 69. him as kind of, you know, maybe losing some forgetful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, and he, I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. The way what I from what I under, understand. So yeah, and he's also wasn't. presented as being a raving lunatic asshole in the film, and I think that's yeah. also historically accurate from what I saw. <laughs> right, Troy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way I yeah. Let me Google that. Yep, raving yeah. lunatic asshole. Yeah, <laughs> there well, you go. I'm using it's legal speak. Maybe you don't understand yeah. it, but um, they the defendants pass around a little note like they're in uh, you know second grade. Uh, do you like me? Check box yes or no. Um, I think I've already talked about me doing that to a girl in real life on this podcast. How did it work out? Uh, I, you check whatever episode that was. Yeah. You'll have to listen to all of them. I don't remember what one it was. But uh, no, it says like don't stand when the judge, you know, all rise for the judge, you know, when he leaves. And Hayden stands. So once again, this is, of course, it's it's forcing this 
narrative of this wedge between Hayden and the rest of them. Hoffman, yeah. The, the Hillary-loving Hayden and the Bernie bro. And the only one that got the haircut for, for court, too. Yeah. So, you not, in the movie. Yeah. That's a Crosby song. Almost cut my hair, right? Um, so, yeah, it's just playing into the fracture between him and the others. Um here we are first met with the proposal to read the names of soldiers killed during the trial. This is briefly mentioned in this point. This will be come back to this later in the film. Um, and Hoffman, well, we talked about the beginning with, uh, sorry, I'm looking for their names now. I've lost it. Wiener or Weiner and Freund's. Uh, Abby Hoffman talks about how they're they're only there so it's easier to convict the rest of them. It's kind of a way for the jury to feel like, oh, you know, well, we let the two off. And uh, so they discuss that. And then we finally get to the theory that John Mitchell's just doing this to get back at Ramsey Clark, which is this a bit conspir- conspiratorial. Um, so the lawyers go to Clark's house, the former uh, head of the Attorney justice. General. Yeah, head of justice under Johnson. So they go to his house. And who is there? Agents. Batman. <laughs> well, right. Okay, yeah. So we've got, you mean... Um, uh, Michael uh, Keaton. <laughs> yeah, Batman. I was trying to think of the... Robert, Robert Pattinson's there? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Michael Keaton plays the Attorney General, Ramsey Clark. Yeah, two G- DOJ guys are there. So current DOJ guys. And they set it up. They make it seem like Clark's not going to talk, you know, and he, you know, he says, yeah, I'm going to tell them everything we talk. I want them here so they can hear what we talk about. And then, you know, when everything will get back to Mitchell and the lawyer's like, what the hell, man? Like, it's supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to, like, tip them off or whatever. And but then it says, you know, he turns it around and says, yeah, yeah, he's going to testify. Um, and so the, then he does. Then we're in the court and he's there to testify. Yeah, and uh, um, you know it's 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 portrayed in the movie as a real like uh, you know gotcha smoking gun like this could uh, this could unravel the whole thing and um, you know it it, it when when um, the former attorney general says that there's you know they found that the Chicago police had in fact incited the riots um, you know I I haven't. I haven't read, um, I haven't read those findings, but uh, do we know is that accurate? Had that which was sorry that that the that that the attorney general under Johnson found the Chicago police liable for starting riots and not the protesters. So he does. So in real life, he does testify. The jury is not there uh, on the same grounds that he could not quote make a relevant or material contribution end quote to the defense and. In real life, he does not ever opine that the trial is a political prosecution. Um, and the questioning, how the questioning actually goes, if you look at the transcript, it, the the lawyers attempting to, the questions kind of are designed to sort of make it look like the Johnson administration has been planning for a, a large federal presence at the convention. So that they, so the way that, the defense is setting it up in real life is like under the Johnson administration, they were the, the feds were, you know, ready to, you know, have the hounds out there basically. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, they, they take some liberties, let's say. 
Ramsey does in, well, I don't know if we jump too, too far ahead, but he does end up getting to go to court and appeals down the road, which spoiler alert, I guess. But yeah. So what is that where do we're you have at? test? Yeah, you can no, Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, he, they don't use his um, testimony in this trial, but later on he gets to go to appeals court and use his, mm-hmm. you know, the information he had is what I, what I t- took. Yeah. And, and that is that. given to the jury in that instance. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And, and uh, yeah, so. there, there is, there is, uh, 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 there's no love loss between sort of the Johnson administration. I, I mean, it, it reminded me a bit of maybe like the, uh, sort of Obama to Trump transition, like with the, there, there's, there's, there's a, there's some hurt feelings between the political appointees uh, in, in the same with uh, sort of Nixon, Kent Johnson and Nixon. And um, uh, in, there's, it's kind of a cool scene in the movie where the, they're, they're um, justice um, attorney general department of justice officials at, at Ramsey Clark's house to kind of like, witness what he's going to say and really mm-hmm. there to kind of threaten him on the download like hey you know don't well say yeah anything. they say it's yeah. illegal you can't do it and all this stuff right right and he's like and then uh uh hayden's like hey you got to find some courage here and then clark's like yeah yeah you know um actually i'm going to testify and uh it's general clark and uh what do you when, when where do you need me when do you need me in the yeah the, the the attorney general's office is crapping their pants there Scared as hell. Um, yeah. So yeah, he yeah in the film yeah he testifies. The Chicago Seven stand and cheer. The crowd stands and cheers. Um, you know when he says that, that his inve- uh, investigation found that it was police induced riot. Um, the judge won't allow testimony that it's political prosecution. Um, interesting about Clark post uh, service in government uh, in private practice. A little um, here's a, just a quick little hit list at some of his clients. Um, Slobodan Milosevic, <laughs> uh, Lyndon LaRouche, Muammar Gaddafi, and Sa- Saddam Hussein. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so he believes in... All right. Justice. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the right, do the right thing. Yeah. Um, so Spike Lee. I, 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 thought, I thought Milosevic was going to be your, like, uh, your big ringer, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a deep bench. <laughs> it's a deep bench. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, Milosevic, you know, he's like, you know, he's a good in the one hole, you know, he's got a good on base percentage, you know, get on, set the table for the rest of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, this is old school baseball. Nowadays, everybody just swings, close their eyes and swing as hard as they can. But yeah, you got Saddam bat cleanup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Saddam. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll he'll drive him in. <laughs> I was going to bring up earlier, uh, you know, that we said that, that um, uh, you know, Hayden doesn't stand up. He stands up, and when when they're all supposed to be sitting down, and the the film the film plays out plays the rivalry between Hoffman and Hayden up, uh, and uh, from the script, it's a it's a pretty decent line. You know, they're debating about like, um, you know, what don't Abby asks Tom like, what do you, what don't you like about me? And um, and Tom says it's a pretty good little little piece of dialogue here. He says, all right, for the next fifty years, when people think of progressive politics. They're going to think of you. They're going to think of you and your idiot followers passing out daisies to soldiers and trying to levitate the Pentagon. They're not going to think about equality or justice. They're not going to think about education or poverty or progress. They're going to think of a bunch of stoned, lost, disrespectful, foul-mouthed, lawless losers, and so we'll lose elections. 
And so that's his, you know, sort of the pragmatic versus the idealistic. Um, yeah, Hillary the, versus Bernie. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Matt, Matt's, a, Matt's a real Romney guy, so, uh, you know. George, way, George Romney. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they, so we still we, uh, they have a after the judge does not allow the testimony, um, Derringer, right? That it, that it, Troy Derringer, yeah, Del, Dellinger, De- Dellinger stands up to uh protest the judge, and uh, Marshall comes in and kind of grabs him and and he turns around and punches him in the face the pacifist yeah. the pacifist uh punches him in the face and then he kind of you know is thrown on the table and it's like I, I hit him oh my god i'm sorry you know and um yeah that's total bullshit that doesn't happen in real life so just want to yeah. also point that out Hollywood. i'm glad you did the cliff clavin fact because i was going to jump in on that, so thank uh you. yeah well you can tell me more about uh, derringer later well, something else okay cool derringer dillinger whatever yeah. tomato tomato uh, lawyer, uh, ooh, ooh, we have, we have tapes. This is the 18 and a half minute gap on the, uh, <laughs> is, is here. Oh, wait, different tape. Um, this is Hayden. He's ordering the size of quote, his pants. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is, uh, Hayden ordering pants. Um, no, uh, this is him instigating the riot. Uh, so flash to six cops beating Rennie Davis, uh, and they crack him really, really good. Uh, in real life, he, like, went to the hospital for this and everything, and um, they had to kind of move him to different corridors of the hospital and stuff to, so the cops wouldn't you, find him. When you watch that footage, like, uh, or of, like, police beating, I, I can't help but think of, like, those are, those are, like, little baseball bats on bones and, like, like yeah. you, can, you can kill or break, I mean, like. I can't believe nobody died, like, getting, because, yeah. yeah, and, yeah, nobody did die, but, like, it's hard to believe with all the, like, skull yeah, smashing actually. that happened. Um, so, uh, Hayden says, uh, if blood is going to, so he's, how it's presented in the film is, he, he is, he's super pissed off by this, you know, he sees it from where they're giving a speech. Uh, if blood is going to flow, let it flow all over the city, and so they're kind of portraying this as him instigating the riot um cops move in with tear gas clubs large group moves onto the street met by the national guard hoffman hayden and uh reuben make it to the haymarket tavern and the cops kind of remove their badges and their their name tags and then you know they kind of say like you know that's never a uh, a good not sign not a good sign right shut um, off their, when they shut off their body cam that's not a <laughs> uh oh it malfunctioned um <laughs> Let's uh, let's here take a listen to this quick little clip from the inside the convention. Colorado. Mr. Chairman, Colorado rises to a point of information. Is there any rule under which Mayor Daley can be compelled to suspend the police state terror perpetrated this minute <laughs> on kids in front of the Conrad Hilton? So, from the floor of the that's convention. from the floor of the convention. Yeah, he's shouted down. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, they're pushed through the window. Um, yeah, interesting. Is it? I'm surprised they didn't show the clip that uh, where it's. I think it's it's Wisconsin who's like, uh, you know, um, launching a major protest, and then they're like, you know, and and like shut him down, shut him down, and they're like, next, it's like Wyoming. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wisconsin is not recognized for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the, I mean, all this stuff's on tape. Like, you can go pull up on YouTube, like, the six hours of con- uh, convention coverage from, like, each day. The, it's, yeah, it's, 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 more, it's more chaotic than anything you've it's seen. It's crazy. Local. Like, yeah, nowadays, yeah. it's it's so scripted and like everything is is down it's like you know watching the academy awards uh without the slapping and you know it's like you know it's so scripted to the second and uh 68 man they was trying to script it they knew they're playing for tv cameras they know everybody's going to be watching but uh it went off script uh often yeah that's for sure well i mean but even so like you think of uh Yet, how inflammatory it was! Uh, if you there were a great documentary, Best of Enemies, Gore Vidal, um, William F. Buckley. Still, you have you have intellectuals on both sides who are who are having a discussion about what's going on, about issues, and about you know it's it's a uh, it's hard to imagine sometimes some sometimes you but it's hard to imagine that um, that conversation. Yeah, when Buckley's now. not didn't he call Vidal the F word like uh, I'm not. Something like like knock your yeah, teeth out. Like. Not F U C K F A G G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> when they're not doing that, yeah, those you can get. Those those are. Uh, it's a great documentary, and you can get those old firing lines are available to find too. Those are interesting. Um, yeah, totally good. We get uh, the Abby Hoffman and uh, talking about the tape and uh, what Tom said about. Um, uh, if blood is going to flow, then let it flow all over the city. Right. And they say, oh, you didn't say our. He meant our blood. So if our blood will spill, let the city see it. Um, I don't know. Did, did you see anything about the actual phrasing, Troy? Um, of, no, I of, didn't either. That that was, yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I think, yeah, no, this seems to be as about as much information. What you have is what I've gotten as well. Yeah, they're trying to say like you know, Hayden's inciting them by saying let 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 the blood flow, but he's saying if they're gonna spill our blood, let them spill our blood in front of you know um, people who are who should be seeing this. And in the film, us. they make it seem like it's it's Hayden's kind of doing this out of nowhere, like oh he's just like he just witnessed his friend being smacked in the head, and he's just like kind of enraged by Snaps, it, and it's yeah. it's it's like out of totally out of character for him when in reality like. He's riled up crowds before, like uh, the days yeah. of rage protests. Uh, you know, yeah, it's him, his spark that uh, here in this instance, in real life and in the film. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, right. Maybe for purposes they're trying to paint these characters uh, as kind of really, really distinct when they're crossing the lines a lot. Yeah. Um, Abby Hoffman takes the stand. I was, I was expecting more humor here. Um, but <laughs> you get a little bit, but, um, he defends Tom Hayden as a patriot. Um, he is questioned by Schultz and kind of pauses a really long time and, uh, you know, says, uh, I've never been on trial for my thoughts before. You know, he's trying to think about what, Do burn. how to say it. Yeah. Uh, he quotes the Bible. In that speech, not real, um, does not in real life. Sorry, um, yeah. So yeah, I was expecting a little bit of humor from Borat, but yeah, didn't 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 get. We a, didn't get too many antics. Yeah. Day one fifty one of the trial. 
they're all in white jumpsuits. Uh, the judge uh, goes to praise Hayden, says, uh, one day you're going to be a productive member of our system. Really like what you've been. Your pecs look good. Um, <laughs> I can see a slight bulge there. That's nice. That's nice. Um, a big fan. <laughs> big fan. Meet me in my quarters. I like his bangs, too. He had nice bangs. Yeah, you have she nice bangs. bangs. Speaking of bangs, uh, see me in my quarters afterward. Um, <laughs> the judge, big fan. Huge fan of Tom Hayden. Casting couch, yeah. Um, God. <laughs> Sadly, I we all know what that is. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, he does. Nancy. He by marrying Jane Fonda, I think he does become a productive member of society. So he does. Yeah, way to way to climb up, Tom Hayden. Um, and it is new. Jane, Jane, you know. And if you're still looking, I'm available. Don't tell Jess. Um, <laughs> she, she's your she's she's your hall pass. Jess, uh, <laughs> Jane Fonda. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So, um, the judge says uh, you got your final statement here. Uh, you know, hey, make it a non-political statement. Just you know, be cool. Uh, and uh, I will. Let's just say, you know, take I will that, consider that. take that under consideration yeah. when it comes to sentencing. Um, and he begins to read the names off that list that had been, was that, was that Rennie who'd been keeping the list in the film? Yeah. Like, uh, I guess, you know, every yeah. night they're watching the, what, the TV scroll that right. shows the names. Yeah. Know. That's not real. He wasn't doing that right in real life. That. So, um, in the film, he starts reading off those names and the judge, you will not his mind. read yeah. 4,752 <laughs> names. I yeah. was doing the math on that. It was like five hours worth of reading names, and I, from what I understand, it was actually, it, they were read, they were uh, read out like five days. There was a protester five days prior to this that they read they read the all the soldiers' names. Maybe Matt can I don't know if you well in court. That, but... um, in court, yeah, he does not do this. Uh, this does not happen. No. Tom Hayden does not read it out. I believe it was Derringer, right, Troy? Was it Derringer? <laughs> Uh, Dellinger, Dellinger, Dellinger. He read them off uh, at the October fifteenth moratorium. He starts to, and the judge cuts him off. Um, and in the movie, it's Hayden reading them off, and all the defendants stand up. Some of them have the power fist in the air. The, the their lawyer does too. The judge loses mind. He's banging. Everybody's just ignoring him, and he keeps reading and reading. Contempt. And yeah. Um, and that's how the film ends. Yeah, crowds then, cheering, going crazy. It's like a and then cut to where are they now? They kind of uh, give us a little, give us a little slice of uh, yeah, guilty of inciting the riot, which was reversed on appeal, and the U.S. attorney did not re-prosecute. Right, uh, Bobby is acquitted, um, and and actually would go on. And the Connecticut uh, yep. thing was bullshit. So the the murder of the uh, cop. Yeah, um, some of them. Uh, it's it. Uh, Ruben ends up uh, as a as a not a hedge fund or stock stockbroker. Stock yeah, broker. so he sells out to the man. Um, Hoffman. He ends up. Do you, do you know how he passed away, Ruben? He got hit by a vehicle at the uh, oh. age of fifty six. So there you go. Thought I'd share that. I was kind of a little. Unlike UCLA, in, in did I read that? How do I remember that? I heard that somewhere. Yeah, he got. He, he, he like, got um, Hoffman dies of a drug overdose. 
150 downers, yeah, with the uh, yeah. a little alcohol. What? So I can't really because they were saying suicide. I'm like, yeah, that that seems pretty legit. I guess if you're doing 150, uh, I forget the proper term for for the uh, medication, but it yeah. was kind of a downer. He yeah. Uh, so, yeah. he went on the run because he got busted for selling coke, and he had a bunch of plastic surgery to like change how he looked so he couldn't be identified and like changed his name and stuff <laughs> to I forget what. Um. But yeah, Derringer. Yeah. Uh, he kind of so he was kind of off the radar for a while, and then kind of reappeared in the eighties. Um, Tom Hayden, we mentioned, um, didn't really do anything. He married Jane Fonda, though. Um, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> he did serve in good California's concert. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that too. Um, <laughs> The uh, the uh, you know the um, that's kind of the like power protest power couple you know like yeah uh, Tom Hayden and Jane yeah. Fonda that's pretty big I wonder not what... since John and Yoko have there been a right right I I think I think I was thinking about the uh, the Vietnam War names uh, issue and uh, you know it struck me that thinking about the way media is fragmented today. Um, that, you know, social theorists talk about, like, this sort of imagined community idea where people have this common simultaneous experience where they're all watching the same thing. And so everyone, no matter what side you are politically, in the 19, in 1960s, 70s, you're watching the same news program, same two or three news programs, and they're showing the, you know, lists of caskets coming home, names of soldiers, reading them off. And it's an interesting kind of, like, thought experiment of, like, you are everyone um, is forced to kind of confront the or or to to be exposed to um, the real losses of the war uh, as it's going on is where I was thinking today it would be easy to to skip that right no one is watching the f- five o'clock news uh, at the same time if they're just watching whatever if they're watching the news it's a twenty four hour or they're reading it you know whatever silo they're reading their news in so. Like it, and yeah, you only have three three outlets. You have like twenty outlets now or more. I mean, yeah. you can yeah get your news from everywhere. So. Well, not CNN Plus anymore. But and and you're and you're and you're not and you're not going to get you're not going to get and you can choose a news outlet that absolutely mirrors your own belief system. So you're not going to be confronted with things that are uncomfortable. This like, is why I've been tanning my testicles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, for co. Is that for COVID? What's tanning? No, it, it makes me more masculine. Oh, okay. You yeah. Miss, you must have I, I missed that. Oh. Missed that. Okay. Maybe, hopefully, some listener gets that because <laughs> otherwise, that's. Is that on one of the news outlets? Uh, that's Tucker Carlson. I, I didn't see that. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> You're supposed to tan, uh, your, tan your testicles? Yeah, evidently. <laughs> In a fair and balanced way, you should tan them for yeah, sure. The left and the right. Um, Tucker Carlson already lo- lobbied for stickers to remove the vein out of its uh, candy bar because it was. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, is that the, uh, I, I know that story too. Oh, sorry. Gosh darn. Anyway, <laughs> dang nabbit. I read an article. Uh, I'm forgetting now the location and the author of this article. If I, I'll, I'll try to track it down and post it up on the, uh, on the Twitter. But the thesis essentially was that 68 was the beginning of, of like conservative mass distrust and like quote unquote fake news uh, according to how they, how they viewed the media. Because somebody like Cronkite, we saw that clip, you know, where Rather gets, beat up on the on the on the floor you know and Cronkite opines like well it looks like you know there's a bunch of thugs down there or something you know um that you know when they're referring to protesters on the street as protesters on the street 
conservatives were getting, you know, pissed about it, like saying like, you know, they're, they're, they're rabble rousers, they're rioters, you know, right, like right. they, they Criminals. said the, the letters to CBS were 11 to one against like their coverage of the convention, like how, how they, they had to be more critical of those. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, they had it coming. Like, yeah, they, they knew what they were doing. They had it coming like they, you know, and that's how the conservatives saw the coverage of, of CBS. So, um, yeah, that's it's was an interesting was an interesting article. Uh, obviously, you know the fake news is a as a kind of a talking point is just it, it's beyond brain numbing at this point. But like, right. uh, well, and, and Nixon sort of you know takes it to next oh level, yeah. Well, he had the full enemies list of three thousand some odd people. Many of them were in the press. Some of them were people like you, professors. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. <laughs> All right, well, Mitchell wasn't the greatest guy in the world either. I mean, if you do any background on him, oh uh, no, the Attorney General, yeah, he was. He had some, he had some demons for sure. Mm-hmm. A little thing called Watergate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody might have heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> and he had his like wife like placed under house arrest essentially for because she was spilling the beans about Watergate. And yeah, there's a new movie. Have you seen that? That's uh, not. No. That's supposed to be about that. But that's pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah. We're going to be uh, inundated with uh, 50th anniversary of Watergate. So I'm really looking forward to the summer because that's oh, right, yeah. right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, we can love uh, me some some Nixon stuff. Expect some uh, expect some uh, napalm coverage of uh, some new media that comes coming out. to you live from my house. We can have the Vidal Buckley. You play uh, Buckley. Oh, we'll just yeah. do an hour and a half napalm players on that. Good. <laughs> Troy, write the script. Crypto Nazi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be Derringer. <laughs> Sweet. I'll be Dillinger. Uh, all right. Uh, let's. Uh, I've book time. Book of the week is Battleground Chicago, the Police in the 1968 Democratic National Convention by Frank Cush. Focuses on battles between demonstrators and the uh, Chicago police. So the main source of the book, uh, and I guess it's probably its main contrib- uh, contribution to the historiography, is that it is a ton of interviews are conducted with police officers who are there uh, that the author conducts with them. Um, so in the end, the cops are presented kind of um, as kind of hardworking family man, defenders of quote unquote American values, um, really getting into that to America's sort of idea that is on full display at the convention. Um, the cops will argue and the book talk, talks about that. Mo- well, most didn't overdo things or beat protesters after they were already arrested. OK, a right. little golf clap there. Yeah. Um, many people who were in air quotes arrested were never actually booked and were seven were just driven kind of far away from the center of action. So that's interesting that, you know, because there are lots of shots where like, you know, these paddy wagons, loading they're them. just loading people in there. They're just driving them off to some other uh, location to get them kind of away from the center of chaos uh, and then dropping them off. Um, Probably Evanston. Having first-person interviews 30-plus years after an event, I think, like, as historians, we know, like, potentially this could be... There are some, you know, landmines. They're potentially problematic. Um, People's memories can be clouded. Um, They could be caught, you know by personal changes in the intervening time, how you view things post-event might cloud how you remember the event. 
wanting to justify your actions, those of other officers, etc. So I think all that needs to be taken into consideration, and having that be the main historical contribution of the book, uh, I think is a little bit problematic. Um, Cops argued they're following orders from daily, never fired their weapons, they don't overdo it with the protesters. Uh, The media was intent on showcasing the violence. Uh, I think it's also interesting that there, wow, there are a lot of opportunities for the media to do that. So that would be my little sidebar to that. Um, yeah. uh, interviewees admitted that they would often trap protesters, essentially cut them off from being able to go anywhere else and then move in on them, which they show happen in the film when they get pressed up against that uh, glass window at the Haymarket Tavern and push through it. Um, the other side, so... Abby Hoffman or Ruben or whoever that is there are represented. Um, this is from secondary sorts from quotes from other sources. They're not the focus of the book. They receive short shrift overall in the narrative. Okay. So this is not a perfect book. I think it's an interesting, I think a lot of the focus of the film focus kind of looking back on it is on the protesters and and the violence and, and you know, the, what happened to the protesters. I think taking the look of the perspective of the cops is interesting. And I think it is. So I think the book does make an interesting contribution in that respect. So I think having this kind of pitted up against the film, which is, is I think the film is quite sympathetic to the side of the Chicago seven. Um, I yeah. think, I think that's an, I think that's a uh, interesting, interesting one. So that's why I selected the book. Check out uh, Battleground Chicago, The Police in the 1968 Democratic National Convention by Frank Cush. Book of the Week. All right, and now it's time where uh, we let you see our dong rating. And uh, I'll go first. I usually wuss out and go last, but I'll go first here. Um, this was a this was a okay movie. Again, as I was complaining to the you guys before it felt more like a documentary that was kind of a you know if if uh, if uh, true tv did a documentary like this would be kind of uh and um so not as good as pam and tommy <laughs> not as good as pam and tommy do they have a vietnam war reference in there and uh <laughs> so i'm going to give it i'm going to give it 6 dong Troy, where, how, where do you stand? I'm, I'm right in there with you. I like I like the, um, I mean, relatively it was accurate from what I understand from doing some research. And I liked how animated it was. I love Sasha's version of Abby Hoffman. I mean, look, watching footage of Abby yeah. and then watching Sasha. I yeah, think it was amazing. I, all, all, the, all, of, all the actors played in really amazing roles. The judge, I mean, the, the Judge Hoffman even was like, you know, as annoying yeah. as he was, like it's an amazing, amazing job. Yeah, and, I forget uh, that actor's name, but he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I gave it a seven. Is where I'm at. Nice. So. Okay, Matt, where are you coming in? I think we're all around the same spot. Um, I thought it was decent. Um, and you know, it's covering an interesting topic. I think it does a decent job of getting across. Broadly speaking, what what's happening at the trial? You know, we pointed out as we went some some historical you know inaccuracies and stuff. That's that's cool. You know, it's not 
you know, it's not supposed to be. It's a Hollywood film. Um, it's not great. It's not super captivating. I thought the acting is generally good. Um, yeah, I feel like we're, we're a captive audience for this because we're interested in the topic. and like. But I, I was trying to think of, put myself in, you know, you might lose viewers. Like, yeah. Uh, I think I, I think they're they're the manufacturing of like of tension is sometimes feels just like unnecessary. Like it's it's an interesting enough story <laughs> where you don't need to like manufacture and like fake shit up, you know. Like, right. so you know, I'm I'm I might maybe I'll write. Should I just go right in between? I'll go like six five. How about six that? five. Okay. Okay. Um, hey, we want to do a little little uh, little quick uh, fan shout out here. Uh, answer a few. Q's and A's. Mail time. Mail time, mail time. Uh, we need a mail time song. Get on that. Put your put your <laughs> lazy kids to work. Uh, okay, I'll get my kids to what work. What have you been doing? Jeez. Um, so, uh, hey, Nodding Violet. Uh, sh- Nodding Violet. Uh, do I? I don't, I don't know pronouns. Um, super fan. Super fan, Nodding Violet. Uh, asked about coming home. Um, did you not know, really not know that Tim Buckley is Jeff Buckley's dad? I don't remember us talking about that, but... I don't either. I think we were talking about, because the closing song in that movie <laughs> okay. is a Tim Buckley song, I think. Okay. So I did not know that. Um, also, this is one that Troy knows. Uh, Dr. Jones, what's the color of your Mustang? <laughs> Troy knows. <laughs> it's it's blue with white racing stripes. So yeah, that's it's right. It's Steve McQueen bullet car. Yeah, it's the 1968 bullet. I think Troy may have been in the trunk of that as we snuck into the uh, drive-in movie theater. Yeah, they were uh, uh, yeah, cosplaying may, may or may not have Goodfellas yeah. or something. Um. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's uh, Thanks, Donnie Pilot. Uh, yeah, it's a, a Midnight Blue Uh Maybe on our Patreon, you know, Mustang Ride could be in the... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Super fans get a... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also um, to Mike Caldwell at uh, Nature's Neat um, movie suggestion, Casualties of War. Mm, I'm liking that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Mike. a good so shot of that. We, uh, yeah, we... You're, you're, I, you're I, in I, sync with us. Yeah, I want to feel happy, so I think Casualties of War would be a great way to do that. <laughs> yeah, we've we've mainly avoided this because it's a, as you know, I think Mike, it's a it's a rough it's it's a rough topic. Obviously, very heavy, but uh, yeah, this is a Vietnam War through film podcast, so it'll get done. We got to tackle it. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll give you a shout out when we do. If you have questions about it. In particular, like, uh, yeah, send us on Twitter about about that or about other things. Where can they hit us up, Matt? Hit us up at Napalm Podcast and uh, make re- requests. Friend us. Oh, wait, friending is Facebook. Don't friend us. Uh, <laughs> follow, follow us. Follow us. Um, and uh, on your podcast delivery service, smash the uh, five-star review. Yeah, why not? Follow. If you want to type out a review, these guys sound like they're really good looking, something like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, that would be good. Um, Share with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or a face for podcast, something like that. A maybe. face for podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we, we, we love hearing from you. Um, for Napalm in the morning, I've been uh, Dr. Jones. I've been Matt. And I'm Troy. See y'all later. Bye bye, fiends. See ya, frat, frat boys. I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam. You let me worry about that green beret.
Napalm in the Morning, your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.